1: And welcome to episode 217 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And what is it like for you to get a recommendation to treat a medical condition? And the recommendation um, is going to be focused on food. You know, Do this, not that, eat more of this, less of that. What is it like for you to get that recommendation, but then have that recommendation go against other insight or advice or recommendations that you've gotten to treat under other medical condition? What do you do? First of all, I have to say, that sounds exhausting. And why can't people get their shit together and just all be on the same page? That would make this actually more doable for you. But for you, the listener... If you have a complicated relationship with food and you've been trying to heal that and work with maybe a treatment team, maybe a dietitian and a therapist or a doctor or all those or one of those, and then you get diagnosed with diabetes and it's oftentimes a completely different recommendation. Maybe you see a different dietitian who tells you you need to control this, limit this, eat more of this, none of that. Oh, what do you do? It's really hard, and it may feel like there's no choice. I hope that this episode gives you clarity. There are many people living with diabetes and an eating disorder. I have a letter today from someone who is doing just that, wondering how to do that, and we get to hear from someone I just find so much joy whenever I get to talk to her. Her name is Lauren Newman. She's a dietitian that is an expert in helping someone recover from disordered eating, and also live with diabetes. She has so many resources, so much insight, and her dog Penelope, who's a fat positive dog, we've decided, and (laughs) she also gives her insight. You'll hear her bark a little bit in the show, but we are all living in um, social distancing time. You know, we're all in the the COVID-19 life, and so we are all home with our our annoying coworkers, right? Our pets, our children, our partners, you know, we love them all and yet we can be annoyed. And maybe that's just me, but anyway, I digress. We're going to hear from Lauren and get a chance to hear this episode's Dear Food Letter, but first a word from our sponsor. This episode of a Love Food Podcast is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace Courses. If you experience PCOS and are trying to recover from an eating disorder, you probably have gotten conflicting advice over the years as well. And I hope that my course and all the information that I have on my website on PCOS is helpful for you. I do this work because of you. I really um, am invested in helping people to continue to recover from diet culture and an eating disorder or one of the other, and also managing their PCOS. I have made a course just for you. You can get to all the details at PCOS and foodpeace.com. Do you have a social justice-informed business? I would love to give you the opportunity to advertise on the Love Food Podcast. I'm very particular, very picky on who can actually advertise on this show because they must be fat positive, they must be size inclusive, they must be social justice-informed, or Nope, they cannot advertise on the show. So if you own a business that is social justice informed, I would love to give you the opportunity to advertise. You can check out all the details at juliedillonrd.com slash sponsor. All right, enough of all that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear Food. It feels like we're stuck in a power struggle, and there's not much peace available in a power struggle. I work really hard to pay attention to what I need, name it, and get it for my body. It took a long time to get here. With a restrictive eating disorder, PCOS, and diabetes diagnosis and treatments, including food peace, and an Infinifat body, which is a US 32 plus size, I'm proud of what I've learned to do for myself but you're always whispering about the sort of lessons I got when I was diagnosed with diabetes and then when I was pregnant. You whisper threats of death from medical staff and family alike. You whisper about carb counting. You whisper threats of losing my kidneys because I probably need insulin instead of expensive non-insulin drugs that affect my appetite and apparently not my blood sugar. You whisper that there's no way to get enough calories for your body if you restrict carbs. You whisper that there's no way to eat that would make each of my physical health issues better. You whisper so much about carb counting as the only way to live with you. It gets echoed everywhere. I keep thinking if the power struggle could stop for real, it would be such a relief.
0: This is the story of The One.
1: We could be together without one of us pulling on the other. We could have fun. We could forget what others might say about us. I know I can't quit you. I need you. How can I get you to stop repeating the threats that people say? Is it really possible for us to work together? Right now, even with all the knowledge I have, it still feels like I have to choose between ways to be sick. Love torn. Hey there, letter Writer. Thank you so much for your note. I know so many people can relate to what you wrote about. So many people with diabetes who are living in bodies that people are basically saying is not acceptable are experiencing the same thing. And I cannot wait for you to listen to my friend and colleague, Lauren Newman. I met Lauren many years ago when she was a dietitian-to-be, and she has become an advocate for people with diabetes who are also recovering from an eating disorder. She has so much wisdom, and we're going to go ahead and give her a call. Hello. Hey, Lauren. It's Julie Duffy and How are you?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: I am great. I'm so excited to talk to you. It's been way too long and thank you for agreeing to chat with me about this letter. Of course. Um, So did you get a chance to read it? Yes, I did. Awesome. Oh, I'm so glad that we are talking about diabetes and um, eating disorder recovery or just living in diet culture when you experience diabetes. And when you were Reading through the letter, what was your general impression of what this letter writer is experiencing?
2: You know, I'm so glad to be talking about this with you too, because I feel like there's so much overlap between diabetes and PCOS and eating disorders and all of that. And this letter writer had all of that kind of going on. And so I guess the first thing that really, really stood out to me is how they were talking about this being kind of just this back and forth all the time and this almost like a, like a tug of war, right, of all of these different pieces and their frustration with this power struggle that's kind of going on in their head. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm assuming similar to me, you hear that pretty frequently from, um, from clients, because when you have some kind of medical condition going on and some disordered eating at the same time, it feels like the recommendations that you're getting for one or the other is so opposite of what everybody is saying for the other one. And I, I don't know about you, but I hear this so frequently from clients, just this power struggle that is so exhausting.
1: Yeah. I um, appreciated the, the metaphor of like the whisper constantly mm-hmm. there. And when I was reading something that I was thinking about is I bet people who aren't aware of some of this conversation of diet culture and recovery I bet they're not aware how how plagued people are by that whisper, like how it's constantly tapping their sh- on their shoulder or that tug of war that you're describing and how stressful that is. And something like when you talked about like the medical condition being the, and the recommendations for a medical condition being the opposite of eating disorder recommendations, something that I also appreciate is that a lot of the people we work with they're getting a recommendation from us as their dietitian, but then they're getting a different recommendation from their doctor and a different recommendation maybe by their partner or their, another family member. And holy crap, that's going to be so exhausting. And then who do you, who do you trust? You know, um, mm-hmm. complicates things for sure. So, so hard. But yeah, I, I hear that a lot as well. Um, and this person definitely described that so um, wonderfully in a way that I think a lot of people will be able to relate to it. I wanted to ask you too, what do you, like considering what this person is going through, what would you recommend as some first few steps forward?
2: I mean, first of all, I think addressing that power struggle and that tug of war is so important and like validating that, yeah, you're going to be getting all of this different information from different people and really being able to call out the diet culture in it, which it sounds like they're already able to do, right? Like they're realizing that some of this is diet culture and some of it is disordered thinking and some of it is, and it sounds like they're kind of not really sure what the real helpful information is in all of this. And, you know, when I think about this tug of war, I, I'm pretty sure this is an, um, a tool from ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy, but I feel like I talk about this all the time with my clients, this idea of dropping the rope Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that tool. I would love to hear more about that because I don't know that
1: particular tool. I don't know that one.
2: Yeah, so in acceptance and commitment therapy, we talk about um, this idea of dropping the rope where you're kind of playing tug of war with something. I mean, I think in some of the ACT books, they call it like a monster. It's like you versus this monster playing tug of war all the time. I think in this example, it's kind of you, it's like a three-way tug of war, like you versus like the medical Providers versus like the eating disorder recovery recommendations, all these things. You're playing tug of war and it's exhausting, right? Like physically, mentally, like it's really hard to play tug of war all day, every day. And it keeps you really occupied because you're fighting against this monster and you're pulling the rope and your hands are really tied up in it because you're holding onto it for dear life, and your feet are really occupied because they're grounded in the floor, trying to keep you steady. And Your brain is really occupied because you're trying to focus on, well, when are they going to pull more? When do I need to pull more or less? Whatever. And then you're physically exhausted because you're pulling all day. And so the idea is, well, what would happen if we just let go of the rope and stopped playing the tug of war game? Like, yeah, the monster might still be there or whatever these disordered thoughts are or like fears or all of this confusion. It might still be there standing right next to us, but at least our hands and our feet and our brain and our body like have the capacity now to focus on moving forward and moving in a different direction.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So this idea of like, okay, well, how can we kind of, you know, the, the letter writer talks about like, I keep thinking if the power struggle could stop and like what that would be like and feeling like there's. No peace when you're in this struggle. Well, what if we kind of metaphorically drop the rope on this, right? What if we drop that rope and stop tugging back and forth between all of it and say, all right, like all of these thoughts and all of these recommendations and all of these whispers and voices are going to be there. How can I focus my brain and my body and my attention on what I think is actually helping me? in having a more peaceful relationship with food.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so much of this, I encourage people who can relate to this letter. It just really pulls me to, to just say like, there's so much that you already know about what your body needs and what helps it feel more energy or what promotes health, what helps you feel at home in your skin. And that I could imagine that like, of war with that rope is so distracting and, um, keeps us from that kind of innate kind of connection. And I could see like dropping that rope would just allow that space then to reconnect with our own kind of wisdom, you know? And, um, so that's a, that's a really wonderful, um, act. I don't, I don't, I know a little bit about act, but not as much as I wish I did,
2: you know? So it's, it's something kind of I've been me. reading a lot more about lately. Um, but. But yeah, I mean, this idea of dropping the rope, I think you're spot on with that. It's so helpful in reconnecting with our own body and our own cues and our own internal wisdom about things. And, you know, this letter writer talks about all of these different, like the whole letter is just all of these different things. Like, I know this and I know that. And like, there's all of these external voices and whispers and external cues that they're getting from all these different places. and then it sounds like they, I mean, they are very clear that they know that that's coming from external sources. And so just inherently in the fact that they know that there, this is coming from the outside makes me have an appreciation for the fact that they know that there's other things inside and that's where the struggle is coming from. And so can we tune into that and turn our attention towards, well, what is, what is like, what is your body telling you? What's coming from inside right now rather than outside? Because that's why there's a struggle with this. If mm-hmm. we were just accepting everything that was coming in from the outside, then, you know, there wouldn't be this power struggle. Mm-hmm. And this, this letter writer talks about, well, towards the end, they say, I know I can't quit you. I need you. And, you know, I really want to question that and challenge that idea. And I feel so curious about what's making that feel true for that person.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm yeah and when you are considering like I can't quit you what's the the you you're thinking about as food or I'm, something different
2: I'm thinking about like food and mm-hmm. the the rules and mm-hmm. all of that right yeah, like yeah I know I can't I know I can't quit the food rules I know I can't quit like this relationship with food I know I can't quit all of this well I mean what if what if we can and I know like yeah, we do need food. Right. And I think that's where the, I need you comes from in that sentence. And I also think this idea of like, well, I can't quit you. Like I can't quit this, this really messy relationship with mm-hmm. you. That's, yeah. I guess that's how I read that line. Yeah. yeah. You know, and something
1: about this letter, I th- why I chose it is because I think it really shines a light on people's experience with diabetes, how they're different based on their body size and you know, for a lot of people in smaller bodies with diabetes, um, people, I think the providers are more at ease with saying, you know, do what feels right to you, <laughs> you know, trust your body. And if you feel shaky or if you feel sluggish, that's your body telling you. And then um, our clients and the people that we know and love that are in larger bodies, how this isn't always what is. Um, expressed to them that they, a lot of times it's not encouraged to rely on their body, that they need to fight it and have these rules because, quote, obviously, they're not following them kind of thing. And um, so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but that was something that I gleaned from this letter too, that it it really did an important job. I'm, I'm hoping someone's listening that it's a diabetes provider that really hasn't connected that before, how people who are in higher weight bodies are just not given adequate, comprehensive medical care when it comes to diabetes because of that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think you and I see that so clearly. And you're right. I think the majority of diabetes providers specifically, and I'm sure people that work with PCOS specifically as well, just are unaware of how those biases show up and how the care that they're providing for people in different sized bodies really does differ you know, it's so interesting because we're recording this during like the COVID-19 pandemic that's going on. And I, I had this conversation with a client the other day because they had to see their, their endocrinologist. Um, and they had to see them virtually because of everything that's going on. And because they were seeing them virtually, they didn't get weighed because they couldn't go in to get weighed. They, um, Like, the video quality was just really bad. And so they wound up shutting off the video and just having this phone conversation. And she was like, it was so strange. They did not say anything about my weight. They, like, gave me actually very appropriate recommendations. And, like, they did actually give her very appropriate recommendations. And our whole entire session was just spent talking about the fact that without, like, without them being able to see her body on the camera or have her weight taken in the office, they were able to like actually give her recommendations that were adequate and have a conversation with her about her diabetes management that would not have happened and has not happened up until this point. And this, this human has had diabetes for several years. And this, co- this type of conversation has never happened when she's been in the doctor's office before in person and had them like seeing her body and all of that stigma and judgment coming up for them. So I I just think that that's such a great example because, you know, in the health at every size community, we always talk about, well, how would you treat a patient that had the same condition in a smaller body, right? And Mm -hmm. I think that this example with this client that I have absolutely highlights that, that if we don't know the person's weight and we don't know their size and we can't see them and we don't have all of those like biases and stigma and judgment coming up for us in the moment as providers, when we see that, then, what kind of recommendations do we actually give? Because we can't make assumptions about what they're doing based on what they look like.
1: Hmm. That is amazing that this client experienced, you know, comprehensive medical care because there was no ability to see their body. You know, and um, I know that experience. It reminds me of people I've talked to who finally went to a fat positive dietitian for the first time. I say finally, not because they finally did, but like we were able to finally find one. And right. um, and the, a similar kind of experience of like, I was actually seen. I was um, given different kinds of ways to move forward that didn't include torturing my body. Um, and I it's so sad to think about that, but I think it's reminding me with this letter writer, um, this person's having to experience so much different kind of like air that they're breathing because of the stigma and like they're experiencing so much more to have to like hold on to and sift through day to day with managing diabetes. And um I, I just hope they have compassion for themselves in that area, especially people who um, have been really rejecting diet culture for a long time, identify as fat positive or health at every size and, but yet still feeling that kind of push and pull. I hope um people can find a space to to have some compassion with like, yes, I'm still struggling with this because the world has not changed yet. <laughs> you know, the world is still not seeing people and um in different bodies as valuable, you know, and and equally. So um, so yeah, like the times where that tug of war is happening, I almost like, well, if it's if the tug of war is happening. I hope they can drop the rope whenever they notice it and to not go under like a shame spiral of like, oh my God, I'm doing this again, <laughs> you know?
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: um, I don't know if you had any thoughts about that, but I was thinking also thinking about that too.
2: Yeah, and you know, I think that shame spiral is so fueled by this belief that is continued to be reinforced by like our society and our, our medical providers that like physical health is the only aspect of health. Right. That like mm-hmm. all of this tug of war in their head and how this is affecting them mentally, emotionally or socially and how their relationship with food could be playing out in all these ways that could be affecting all these other aspects of their health and well-being just get completely ignored in general for everybody. And then when you add in some kind of condition like PCOS or diabetes, <laughs> it's like, well, penalty. OK,
1: <laughs> <laughs> your, dog, your dog's bark is so cute.
2: she's adorable um when you add in all these other um all these other medical conditions it's like well yeah like you the the belief and the message is well yeah you have to you have to be focused on all of this and you have to be you have to be doing it x y and z way because if not then like you'll have bad health which i think then brings up this other larger conversation of like the healthism that exists and that people Mm -hmm. in larger bodies are much more subjected to than anybody else in our society. Yes.
1: Yes. Like that's something, um, for those of us in bodies that are considered like smaller or appropriate or in a BMI of whatever, you know, yeah, they're not experiencing that healthism. And another kind of pulling, you know, another tug of war rope, I guess, mm-hmm. in the in there. So I would love to keep talking to you about this. And I also appreciate that your doggy is like, all right, enough.
2: <laughs> but I'm
0: wondering. It's like, come on,
1: mom, we got to go eat
2: some food now. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> we have something on the show called the Food Peace Syllabus. And if you're new to the Love Food podcast, the Food Peace Syllabus is a collection of resources that we've been gathering over the years.
2: So, Julie, on my website, which is laurennewmanrd.com, under resources, I have a download that is completely free, and it's called Diabetes and Disordered Eating Resources, and it's like an entire eight-page-long document full of different resources from different providers that I know and love and trust and different social media accounts to follow, specific podcast episodes and articles talking about like the overlap between diabetes and eating disorders, um, all sorts of stuff like that in there. So I definitely um, think that that's a pretty good, pretty good place to start. Um, that will all link out to so many other different resources that I'm sure you could wind up in an entire internet spiral of all these different <laughs> amazing, wonderful um, resources that exist online. Additionally, I, um, I offer a diabetes and disordered eating support group that is run completely virtually and i'm going to i'm offering it right now um completely free and it's completely open just week to week so i have more information on my website about that as well also under resources
1: fabulous i'll put a link to that oh that's such a wonderful resource and i can't wait for people to check that out That that is something that is so needed but not enough people really um connect the to so thank you for doing that lauren and if people want to find more about, find out, I can't talk today. Oh my goodness. If people want to find out more about you, um, you mentioned Newman, RD.com. Is there any, um, um, social media area that you're working in, or are you really not on social media these days?
2: Um, I have an Instagram account. I don't really do any other social media uh-huh. besides that. And honestly haven't posted much over the past couple of months, but I'm on Instagram as go feed yourself. And that's. That's
1: where you can find me. Awesome! Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and your expertise. And thank you, Penelope. I'm so glad you joined us. And I, you I hope to you... get
2: her a fat positive doggy T-shirt. Yeah,
1: something. We need to. Yeah, she's she's on our side for sure. Well, um, thank you so much, Lord. I really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great
2: rest of your day. You too. Thanks, Julie. So there you have it, letter writer. I hope
1: you got something that helped you move forward on your food peace journey. For my conversation with Lauren. She is such a great resource for people with diabetes and I hope you can connect with her resources, her free group that she has going right now and continue to follow her work. I think you'll find that she'll continue to give so much information to us who are looking for more information on how to recover from an eating disorder and manage diabetes at the same time. I see that food is written back, but before we get to that, This episode of the Love Food Podcast was brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. Check out all the details at PCOSandFoodPeace.com. And remember, if you own a social justice-informed business, I would love to give you the opportunity to advertise in the Love Food Podcast. Check out the details at JulieDillonRD.com slash Love Food Sponsor. All right. Thank you so much, Laura Newman, for coming on the show and giving us your insight and until next time, take care. Dear Torn, our power struggle has been going on for so long and we believe the struggle isn't provoked by you or me, rather fat phobia, healthism, and diet culture. Is it time for us to drop the rope? Imagine noticing our tight grip and feeling the back and forth rhythm to this tug of war. Consciously and slowly, imagine one by one, letting your fingers move freely. Feel your feet grounded. Breathe in the air. Notice that rhythm is no longer whispering. Consider your wisdom, Torn. You know what is best for you because you're the expert of your body. At times, you may feel the tug of war begin again because of those huge, massive systems bigger than us, white supremacy, fat phobia, and diet culture. Taking a picture of what you experience with this clear head without the tug of war will help you know when they are fighting again, when they have tightened their grip, so you can immediately drop the rope and be free again. Love food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care.